been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 492 of the Recruiting Future podcast. With the relentless coverage, comment and discussion around chat GPT, it finally feels that there's a mainstream realisation of the capability and impact of AI and automation. However, while Twitter threads, conference presentations and webinars are great for building awareness, there's no discussion on the complexities of implementing AI and the strategic foundations needed to ensure success. My guest this week is Carl Lagunas, Head of Strategy and Principal Analyst at Aptitude Research. Carl has recently authored a white paper exploring the current state and future potential of automation in talent acquisition. TA leaders need to think very carefully about strategy and implementation, and Kyle shares some valuable insights into our automated future. Hi, Kyle, and welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Matt. Pleasure to be here. An absolute pleasure to have you back on the show. For people who may not have come across your work before, could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am uh, an analyst at Aptitude Research. We're a boutique firm based out of Boston. And um, what we do is we study innovation cycles in HR and talent tech, and then emerging trends in the HR and talent space. We serve as a little bit of a mediator between the two functions of the doers and the builders. And before this, I uh, was uh, running a transformation project at General Motors. And before that, I was the director of strategy at Beamery. Fantastic stuff, which makes you the perfect person to ask this first question to. We're recording this right at the very end of 2022, and um, it's being published at the start of 2023. It's obviously been a very interesting year in terms of the talent acquisition market. What are you expecting the market to look like as we move into 2023? What kind of outlook have we got to look forward to? Yeah, I uh, I think that we anyone who has been recruiting or working in HR or hiring um, in the last three years, four years knows that it has been just going at a break, breakneck pace. Everything's been on fire all the time and people are pretty burnt out. Um, as we peek into 2023, um, all signs point to a recession, but the type of recessionary environment is still a little TBD because the unemployment is still pretty low. I honestly, Matt, I think that um, businesses are going to look at the at the recruiting operation and ask how many of these hires, how much of this headcount that we've approved bef- um, in the last year do we need to make? How can we be um, smarter about our investments in building the um, the organization out, maintaining momentum? And uh, yeah, how can w- how can we accelerate some of continue to accelerate our growth? without adding a ton of head overhead into the function. So I like to joke, Matt, that um, recruiters and TA leaders know that they're never going to get the headcount that they need. The businesses just expect them to do the job <laughs> with what they've got. I think that's going to be especially true um, in 2023. 
it's no longer just survival mode. It's going to go into survival of the fittest, where those functions that are high performing and not just high producing, that means not just getting butts and seats, but finding the right people. And those are the ones that I think are going to be doing the best next year. I think one of the most interesting things over the last couple of years has been automation talent acquisition going from a niche theory that, that people were tinkering, tinkering around with to, to something that's fast becoming mainstream. Do you see automation as inevitable in 2023? Will, will it be a big part of shaping the high-performing talent acquisition teams? I really do. I mean, honestly, because it's really difficult to manage all of the different moving pieces that come into a talent acquisition operation, unless you have um, the right operations set up, if it's, if you, if you're resourcing it in the right way. And um, in the past, the best way that we could resource these functions were to put people on into these functions, right? You needed, you might be trying to get some agility with a bunch of contractors in the coordination team, or even in sourcing or, or, or recruiting. I think that we'll continue to see some um, flexibility there. Automation capabilities are truly a catalyst, I think, for unlocking the highest impact of a talent acquisition function that's possible. It helps to increase your scaling. I'm sorry, um, increase your operating capacity without significantly increasing the overhead. Um, it's just basic business economics. Um, and it, it, but it's, it, it goes beyond that because it's not just, all right, how do we get more out of the heads that we have? It's also how do we create richer and higher quality and more consistent experiences for all of the stakeholders of talent acquisition function? TA has a lot of people that it has to keep happy. You know, it has, um, hiring managers. It has candidates. It also, we have to keep our recruiters happy and our coordinators from burning out. And then we also have to report out to the business on how things are going and, and how viable their plans for growth are because of our ability to attract and, and hire talent. All of this stuff is getting extremely complex. These stakeholders all have different needs and expectations. And a lot of it comes down to the digital experience um, of the talent acquisition function. So yeah, I, I think it is inevitable, but it's, that's a bad word. I think that it's also exciting because this is actually the perfect environment uh, looking into some pressures to, to get more out of what we have and to, at the same time, to like distinguish ourselves through excellent experiences. This is the perfect environment for us to say, all right, well, let's go big on automation. We've, we knew that this was something that was coming for the last five, call it five years, but now it's a necessity. Now we have to figure this out. And it's an, it's, it's interesting because the, the last major disruption we had was pivoting to um, COVID, right? Where we all suddenly full went fully remote because we were forced to, I think we might see a similar, uh, see this play out more similarly for automation where we, we're, we just have to figure this out and necessity is going to drive, um, I think, rapid adoption and maturity. Well, one of the things that, that really strikes me with the conversation around automation is it's talked about in very simple terms. It's like, oh, we'll have lots of automation and we can automate this and we can automate that. And that's how things are going to move forward. However, 
getting there is very complex, isn't it? And I know that you've you've recently done some research into this area. Tell us about the complexity and also the you know the findings of the research that you've done. Okay, so it's it is very interesting that we surveyed about 300 people, HR, le- I'm sorry, HR leaders and IT leaders um, in medium and global enterprise. So companies with a thousand to 25,000 plus employees. And we found that 60% of them were increasing their investment in automation and HR in um, this past year, and that they were likely to continue investing next year, regardless of recession. So we know that we actually have quite literal buy-in on automation in HR and talent acquisition. But then when we look to see um, the drivers of their automation, um, they were looking to improve quality of hire, improve retention, improve improve uh, employee experience. Things start to fall apart. (laughs) Like It was, I think, 3% of those that we surveyed reported seeing a a tangible impact in um, improvement in employee experience. And as we probed, we're trying to figure out, well, what, where is the gap here? We're getting resources for automation. Um, the IT organization is prioritizing HR projects more so um, than any other project in enterprise. Well, we looked at actually the strategy behind these automation efforts, and uh, only 41% of the companies that we surveyed were clear on what exactly they were automating. I'm sorry, fifth, uh, I'm sorry, 49% were on, were clear on what exactly they were automating. And so it's it's kind of this um I don't know, intersection of of several legacy gaps in the HR and talent acquisition function. We've kind of given HR a pass for not being especially tech savvy um, in the past. You know, if, if we're implementing a new applicant tracking system, as an example, as long as you had technical experts in the implementation team, that was fine. You know, you could just translate the business needs and implement around them. Well, with something like automation and, and artificial intelligence, it's actually show, being, showing to be more important for them to understand what these systems and capabilities actually do. If you say you want to improve candidate experience, well, that's that's actually a really broad, broad initiative. What aspects of the employee experience need improvement? Um, do you know we need to make it easier and more seamless to um, request leaves through FMLA, which is um, uh, a U.S. Uh, Family Medical Leave Act? Do we need to make it easier for people to add a t- new dependent onto their payroll or um, for a candidate to find out who they're interviewing with? There's just all kinds of different things that can be automated. And I think that it's it's coming to a head where TA and HR leaders who in the past haven't looked too closely at how exactly these tools work, when it comes to time to start working with IT and, and the vendor to design these solutions we're finding we really don't know what to do. We're kind of like looking around the room to see who has the answer. And I, I guess also the, the thing about automation and, you know, personalization that you, you might build on top of that to improve experience. This isn't a one-time technology purchase and implementation, is it? This is something that that is ongoing, that needs continual optimization and management and and continual strategic development. I love to hear you put it that way because it's true. It's not, I mean, even with an applicant tracking system, just let's stay with this example. Even 
with, with an applicant tracking system, you know, you go through the implementation workbook and um, you, you go through UAT and you, you typically know how these things are going to be designed and implemented and delivered. And you are, are, are shooting for your go live date. And you're, you're not really driving a lot of transformation of process typically with an implementation of these tools. But even after you've gone live with an ATS, you will still have maintenance and an ongoing iteration on, you know, certain features that need to be enhanced or workflows that might need to be revisited. You know, it, it's a program that an ATS, uh, any, any sort of major piece of technology in, in TA and HR should be program managed, not just implemented and then you're done, you know. But we find that change management after the implementation of new tech is really limited. People just have it spend a lot of their energy on the procurement, the evaluation, purchase, and, and implementation of these tools that by the time it's delivered in phase one, people have lost a lot of steam. And um, this is especially true with automation. You have gone through, maybe your CHRO has said, we need to get AI into uh, anywhere in HR that we can. We need to automate as much as we can. Say, okay, great. Let's see if we can get, I hear that getting a chatbot on our career site is a really great way to enhance our candidate experience. Okay, cool. So you get approval for this, this project. And then when it comes time to start developing and delivering some of this tech, you, you actually realize you didn't really you don't have any best practice of your own that you are modeling with this tool. You're actually introducing new practices and you are having to answer questions about how this tool processes language to see what the question is. And um, if you're using any sort of automation or AI for um, e evaluating applicants, as an example, you're going to get a lot of questions about, any potential for bias in the product. And you're like, I never had to answer these questions before. I actually, I honestly don't have an answer. I think that we, we are quickly finding with automation projects that people just treat them as, um, as they would a, 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 pre, a tech projects in the past, you get the budget for it, you get the approval for it and you buy it and you implement it with these. It's actually a strategy. Um, where is this automate is automation and AI going to enhance what prior, what, what stakeholder experience are we going to prioritize? What systems are these, um, these, uh, tools going to inter interface with, you know, and, and how are we going to govern to ensure we are not introducing bias at any point against protected parties? Um, how are we going to, to report out on, on ROI or there's just so many questions that come out from these things because their automation is pervasive. I think that people are quickly getting inundated and overwhelmed with what they thought was just a new tool, but it really needs to be part of an overarching strategy. A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi everyone, I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. -O -O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over 100 markets, including Chicago, 
Dallas, Atlanta, New York, and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com slash pod. That's www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. So picking up on that strategy piece, you mentioned IT, you, you mentioned HR. Who who should own the strategy for automate, automation? How, how should it sit within an organization? Oh, gosh, this is really a difficult one. I think it, it honestly, it will depend on how the how technology is is governed in the in the company. Um, you know, sometimes TA doesn't even have ownership of their ATS that's actually managed by HRIT. It depends on how an HRIT organization and the IT organization itself are partnered. I think that we should continue to see TA and HR getting deeper technical expertise in their their core ops functions, in whether it's talent ops or HR ops, whichever, um, or in their if they have a systems program, that's even better. I think though that your leadership needs to be really plugged in to how AI and automation works, how it doesn't, um, what opportunities there are um, that these these capabilities bring. I think that they need to be way more plugged into the ins and outs of these programs than they have been in the past. It's, so it, it really is, it's like a, it's a shared effort. TA and HR leaders need to lead the way on, on what they're trying to solve for and what, you know, uh, what excellence um, looks like from their perspective. They need to then work closely with um, talent HR operations, um, HRIT, to um, design solutions with automation and AI. And then honestly, they also need to work really closely with IT and with their own um, governance and compliance programs and their legal teams to make sure that this these efforts comply with the overarching automation and AI strategy. I mean, these things, they really are far reaching. Um, it's not as if you're introducing AI into your HR or uh, talent acquisition process, there are a lot more people that are going to lean in with questions than there are if you just have um, a new sourcing tool. So it's, it, I don't think that one person owns it. I, I think that it, it, it that's what makes it so complex. It's not, you, you can't rule by committee. <laughs> you do need to have leadership, but I think ownership is shared um, across a number of different stakeholder groups. And I suppose the, one of the biggest complications within all of that is getting the right balance between what the humans do and what the machines do. Any thoughts on that? So that, yeah, you know, it's, um, I don't know if you know Tyler Weeks. He's now the VP of talent analytics at Marriott Bonvoy. But he, he, when he was at Intel, I had talked to him a little bit about some of the work that they were doing there. And he had talked about, he was looking, trying to get the team to look at AI and automation as an extension of the workforce and not just as a piece of technology. And I think that philosophically, that, makes a lot of sense. You know, if um, you are looking at implementing some sort of automation bot, say it's it's automating workflow, it's going to create a um, an offer letter for you. All right, we're going to send this off to offer letter bot. 
you know, getting people to talk more about that tool as just a core part of the workflow gets them to recognize that there is, it's not magic. Something's happening. All right. Well, offer creator bot is going to go and do this and pull this together. And then uh, it's going to come back to me and can ask me this and blah, blah, blah. I think that it's important for people to understand where in the operation, these tools are actually working. Um, no one in, in HR or TA and certainly no one in legal wants to buy just an AI voodoo thing, right? It's not, this isn't magic. This is working in a technical way. But honestly, Matt, some of some of this um, these new automations that I'm seeing coming out of um, vendors like Paradox and Hired Score, they're actually deeply embedded in the talent acquisition process or in the HR process, and so it might not be super visible. Um, for example, I'm seeing some of these new use cases from Hired Score where they are automatically beginning to um, source kick off the sourcing process when a new requisition has been assigned. Typically that would not be the case. You know, a, rec- a recruiter would get the requisition and then they would have an intake meeting with the hiring manager to calibrate on what a success profile looks like. And then they might get some sample profiles f- pulled from, from hired score tool and see if those fit, blah, blah, blah. Well, that adds a lot of time to just, just a typical recruiting process. And if at the end of the day, hired score is going to already fetch candidates for a recruiter to bring to the hiring manager. Why not just automatically fetch those candidates and bring them to the first intake meeting, (laughs) you know? So it's like jumping several um, steps ahead and without direction, without actually the recruiter querying and requesting that it's just automated. So these are starting to get more deeply embedded. And I think that we feel these tools augmenting us in anticipating our needs I think that that becomes, it helps to accelerate adoption because it doesn't rely on overt adoption. It actually is embedded in the way that we recruit. And so it gets utilized regardless of whether the recruiter logs in and and searches for candidates or not. And I think that's a good thing, especially for those of us who have worked really hard to get budget and buy-in for an AI or automation tool and has worked really hard to design and implement those solutions. I think these advanced automations are actually really beneficial in closing some of that automation gap that exists with other tools. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's almost like I'm seeing the, the adoption aspect starting to wane. It's not as much of a direct impact on ROI for these programs. Instead, it's just an assumption. This is just automation. Is it's We're automating this no matter what, instead of, hey, we have this tool that you can use to automate, you know? No, absolutely. absolutely. And um, that, that's certainly come across in uh, quite a lot of the conversations that I've had about automation in the last sort of 18 months. It's very clear that things are moving very quickly. The technology is moving quickly. The whole economic environment is driving people to move quicker. And as you say, the, the adoption aspect is kind of supercharged here. With things going this quickly, what does the maturity model look like for, for, for all of this? Oh, gosh. So that's what I'm working on right now, to be honest. Um, what we've gathered data on so far is just the state, the current state of adoption, like where adoption of these, of these capabilities are today. And um, what we found is a significant number of um, 
of companies now have actually taken the leap towards adopting automation tools. Let me add this up here. That's 61, 74%, 75% of, of companies have actually already are doing some sort of automation now, um, whether they are in uh, a pilot program or whether they expanding beyond that pilot or whether they're pioneering new levels of automation and um, utilization of AI, 75%. So I would say we're probably in the early majority of adoption. We do still have about 25% of uh, companies that are either still considering what they're going to do or are we have just like 2%, which is like a statistical irrelevant number that are not planning to do any automation. So the maturity curve, I think will start to come out. And this year, this next year is really going to help us understand now that we're in that early majority, what, what's possible, what great looks like versus what okay looks like. Um, and what we found, you know, so I, I had said that 49% of uh, companies only 49% of companies are clear on what exactly they are automating. I think that that 49% is, and, and our, our, our research is showing this, they're going to make the, the biggest strides this year. They're the ones that are seeing the greatest impact on some of the KPIs that were driving investment in automation to start. And I think also they've built deeper partnerships with their IT um with their, their IT colleagues so that their IT colleagues are actually bringing them along for new opportunities to partner, um, new levels of automation and AI because they've proven that they're savvy enough to reach new heights together. Whereas those who are those HR and TA organizations that are still like a little on the fence um, and not quite clear on what they're trying to get done. Um, I think that IT is still kind of looking at them, giving them a little bit of that side eye to be like, all right, well, <laughs> I really hope that your new pilot program work works out okay. <laughs> so yeah, in, in fact, it was, if I'm looking at this data here, we, we found that those companies that were clear on what exactly they're automating, 71% actually are increased um, automation uh, investment in automations next year. Um, compared to 52% of those who weren't clear on what they're automating. So we're seeing like a significant number or a significant increase impact in um, these automation strategies because the teams that are plugged in and have really worked hard to figure this out, they're accelerating the growth of these programs and, and I think accelerating the impact of automation for their stakeholders too. So as a final question, obviously we've got this big evolution going on that's going to dramatically pick up pace in the next 12 months or so. If we kind of look out beyond that to a time when you know, the economy's re recovered a little bit and we're sort of moving into the next phase, what will have the impact been on you know TA teams? What, what do you think the TA teams of the future are going to look like in terms of the the skills they have, the the specialists that they they have within the team. Well, you know, what are your views? I used to be very very idealistic and aspirational about some of these questions. When I was at General Motors, um, they asked us a similar question: What happens after we implement all these tools that are going to help us to you know just reduce some of these bottlenecks and and um, maybe uh, improve some of these cycle times and what, what next? You know, are we going to start laying people off? And I said, no, maybe we'll just stop working 65 hours every week. 
And, you know, maybe we'll actually get back to a life where we're delivering consistently higher quality candidates and making better hires without all of the blood, sweat and tears that have been absolutely drained from us over the last five years. Um, I think it's important to, to remember that going into the to um, this COVID pandemic, burnout was at a record high already among employees. And burnout has actually only gotten worse um, over the constant daily disruptions of what we experienced in the last three years. So if I look at this acceleration of automation and AI in talent and HR, I think it's going to just help us get back to out of survival mode and focus on how do we really make the greatest impact with these functions and a lot of it is, I think, should be focused on stakeholder experiences. It shouldn't take me two weeks to start really recruiting. I should be able to, once I once a recruiter has a requisition in a job description, that recruiting process should be able to start right there. You know, we should be able to, we shouldn't have to wade through a million applicants every year just to find the 100 that we're going to hire. AI and automation should help us to go right to those applicants that are the most the, the most obvious fit so we can use the rest of our time maybe doing some candidate care. So it's not as predictive and and cool sounding Matt as you might want. I honestly just hope it hope it gets us back to being better human play players in the the operation, you know, it's I, I don't think it's going to unlock this whole new era of HR and talent. I think it's just going to help us to stop burning it, burning out all the time. Well, who doesn't want that? Kyle, thank you very much for talking to me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for the thoughtful conversation. My thanks to Kyle. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.